Fun one tonight. Fun one, folks. It's always fun when the opposition starts to flex, starts to yell and scream, starts to try to get emotionally underneath the Phoenix Suns' skin. And then the Suns just come back and whoop that ass, Matthew. That's what we saw tonight. We saw the Phoenix Suns go against the Minnesota Timberwolves on the road. The Minnesota Timberwolves, a team that have won nine out of their last 11 games, a team that is filling themselves. They're confident in the basketball they're playing, and they thought tonight would be the night that they could mentally break the Phoenix Suns team. Up by 13 at halftime, they end up losing by nine. Game, set, match, bitch. Yeah, and Cat thinks he can get inside Crowder's head in the first half. You know, yes. save that for the second half. Um, Crowder with the steal to really seal the win for the Suns, too, with about three minutes left. So that's really how champions are made right there, right? I mean, Crowder, no one gets inside that guy's head anyways. But in the first half, you're going to talk crap and point at your head to the crowd to get them going. And then, you know, after that, Cat had three points and three rebounds in the second half. Did he so really? That's the difference between, yeah, that's the difference between them and Cat oh, and between us and DeAndre Ayton. There you go champion level basketball the ability to block out the emotion and act with logic and execute which is what the phoenix suns do at nauseum it can be boring at times how great they execute but that's exactly what they did in this game and uh plenty to talk about plenty to talk this is a fun one matthew oh, this yeah, is this, this is a fun one. game whenever the suns play against the minnesota timberwolves knowing that devin booker d'lo and carol anthony towns were all on the, the the cover of slam magazine all those years ago together uh this was a fun one. So we, we're going to talk about that and plenty more on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. So we thank anybody who is watching along live on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter for joining us post game. Uh, sorry it took a little longer, but you know what? Uh, I was doing the recap for brightsideofthesun.com. Go check it out and trying to get my computer to work. Uh, make sure you follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida, and you can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Lissy. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're consuming this content, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or if you're watching this on YouTube, whether live or later, give us a thumbs up. Give us a subscription. We truly appreciate that. Uh, Matthew, I'm just drinking a nice water today. Again, I was writing for Brightside on this game, so I try to stay as sober as possible uh, when, I'm, <laughs> when I'm writing those recaps. I don't want to get too emotional, uh, especially in a game like yeah. this, which was kind of an emotional game. So uh, I assume that you are pounding a a glass of wine or something very, maybe a nice cognac or brandy. You're such a classy dude that I figured that's probably what you're doing. Yeah. And I was always sober writing the, uh, the stuff for bright side, but I still misprinted a few things here or there. Um, so I had no <laughs> excuse, but yes, it's just a water today. Nice. Just a water. Well, stay hydrated. Uh, my fellow Arizonans, cause it's going to be like 95 this upcoming weekend. So, uh, cheers to that and cheers to another sun's victory. Yes, the Phoenix Suns win by a final score of 125 to 116 in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, it's a road game. And typically, I like to lead off with asking Matthew a question. But you know what? We have one of our loyal Jamsters who was at the game tonight. You know him in the chat as Metal Mike. Welcome to the Jamsters React segment. Jamsters react. Metal Mike, welcome to the show. Uh, how 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 you doing? Uh, you're currently on mute, so you gotta. It's fun on the cell phone. There we yeah, go. There we go. Yeah, you're good. There we go. Yeah. How you doing? You were at the game tonight, right? Dude, I was at the game, and oh my god, that was a game. That was a game. What was the emotion like in that arena considering all? I mean, I think there was a total of six technical fouls. There were two flagrant <laughs> fouls. Uh, did, did you punch anybody out and yell Suns in four? I, I was close, but I actually met a really cool Timberwolves fan I was sitting next to and stuff. And, I mean, we both thought the refs were trashed this whole game. So I, I think everybody kind of thought the refs were kind of getting the short end of the stick. And I could see that too, but the refs were just just terrible on both sides of it. So, yeah. 
lots of emotion, lots of excitement, lots of refs you suck, you know? <laughs> well, at what point did the fans start to go home, though? Was it after Devin Booker's, uh, I think it was 11,000th and one point of his it, career with the dunk? The, the the fans started going home at about five minutes left. You know, about three minutes oh, left, okay. everybody was starting to pile out. So, <laughs> so yeah, they, they still thought they had it. I, you know, like talking with the Timberwolves fans and everything, they were they were pumped going into the fourth, and I was like, "Hey, just chill. Like, I don't know what our record is if we're not leading into the fourth, but I know we're still pretty good." And you know, yeah, what happened <laughs> happened. So yeah, suns happened. That's what happened. Yeah, so, uh, happened. so, so you drove four hours to the game, right? Yes, sir. Yep, yep. I live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And actually, some. You know, I was planning on going to this game, didn't want to pay a lot of fees because, you know, you pay $100 a ticket, you pay $100 in fees and stuff. So I actually got really lucky last night, thanks to uh, Jay Mick, I think is his Twitter name. He was out there, he put a he put a tweet out to the Suns community, and he was like, hey, I got an extra ticket. If anybody wants to grab this, you know, let me know. This is in Minneapolis tomorrow. I, w- I apparently was the first person to snag that ticket, so I have to thank Jay Mick for being able to go tonight because... I don't know if I wanted to pay $200, $300 to go do this, but to do it for free, I'll do that, you know? Heck, yeah. And, again, that goes to show everybody who's out there, you know, Suns Faithful, we're all over the entire United States. Uh, how, how how many Suns fans were in the arena, do you think? Dude, I'd say a good quarter. I mean, we got really? there we got there an hour early, but, damn, dude, I saw, I saw so many Suns fans in there. And, you know, it was hard because everybody spaced out a little bit, but, I'd say at least an eighth of that arena was Suns fans tonight. So, a lot yeah, of Booker we were, jerseys, or oh yeah, a lot of Booker yeah, jerseys. Uh, we cool. represent every hot yeah. girl, you know, pretty girl or whatever had that Booker jersey on. So, <laughs> so you know, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So oh, you know, man. again, you've been one of our our faithful jamsters, always showing up, showing out in the chat. I see a lot of the jamsters are giving you props. Uh, you know, simply Thanks, because the, you know they're they're like, hey, it's 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 one of us. So, uh, you know. How long have you been a Suns fan? And who is your favorite Phoenix Sun of all time? We all want to know. Fuck, man. That's hard. I mean, it's got to be Barkley because Barkley was what started me. I mean, you know, I mean, my favorite son of all time is kind of starting to change, man. I mean, Bridges, he just gets me. I love to laugh as a person. And I mean, how good he is as a player. I mean, it's just, it's hard not to. I mean, Booker's obviously one of them. I mean, CP3, I've been following CP3 since Wake Forest. I actually got to see uh, CP3 play like three or four games in Wake Forest, so it, it is really hard. But it's it's got to be Barkley. I mean, he was the he was the contrarian, you know, to the Michael Jordan back in the day. And I've always kind of been that contrarian. So so yeah, it's it's, it's got to be Barkley. When did you make the drive to Minneapolis? When did I drink, make the drive to Minneapolis? You said. Yeah. Uh this this afternoon I left at like one. Got here. You know, about an hour before the game and stuff. So nice. So, yeah. I don't know if you saw, but NBA TV yesterday was running all like ninety-three Suns uh, games all day long. Oh, it, was, no. it, it, it was like the first round, second round, third round. They didn't show anything from the finals, or if they did, yeah, it was like man. two in the morning. But uh, for oh, us, uh, us old school Suns fans who love the Barkley era, it was it was a fun watch yesterday. My that wife's like, been... "Hey, the, the Suns game's not there." I thought they weren't playing tonight. I'm like, "I know this is the '93 Suns." <laughs> yeah, man, and like and like you guys are just some of it. You guys are one of my first listens, but you know, I I. I a game happens and then I go listen to six podcasts the next day. Like <laughs> I'm kind of a Phoenix sun sicko. I can't get enough of them myself. So I would have loved being that Barkley stuff, man. Aren't That's cool. All? Not to put you on the spot, but who's your favorite jamster to talk to in the chat over here? <laughs> to talk to in the- Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. Th- my favorite jamster. I don't know. Lissy, <laughs> Lissy, you always got that white and black hat and I want that hat so bad. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. I don't get it. But like I don't know, you're a good one. Yeah. I love John because John's just such a good personality. Yeah. Uh, Blaze Megatron, I could I could probably relate with Blaze a lot because I like to Blaze <laughs> myself and stuff. But everybody <laughs> in the chat is awesome, man. Everybody in the chat is great. Suns fans are just there's there's something else, man. Hell yeah, hell Very yeah. Cool, well, man. I know you got a, a four hour drive ahead of you, so I appreciate yeah. you coming on and sharing a little bit of the experience with us. It's great to actually kind of meet you, Metal Mike. Uh, anything oh, yeah, else you dude. want to throw out there before you make that trek back to Sioux Falls? Suns in four. 
no, yes, no. Sir. I, I just I, I, love, I love you guys. I love the pod. I love the Suns. Go Suns. We got this this year. We got this. This is our year. Amen. Right, Amen. Hope so. Well, again, thank you, Metal Mike, for joining us on the podcast. We look forward to seeing you in the chat. Uh, get home safe. All right, brother. All right, guys. Take it easy, guys. Right. Yeah. Right. Take take care. And there you go, Jamsters. That's Metal Mike. Uh, again, cool. if you if you want to be on the show, all you got to do is DM us at Suns Jam on Twitter. We'll send you a link after the game. You can come. You can give you know your five to seven minute spiel about kind of your thoughts on the game, what have you. That that's what this is. This is a show that's not only by us, uh, but it involves you as well, the Jamsters. So. Uh, plenty to talk about uh, when it comes to this game against those Minnesota Timberwolves, a team that uh, brings me to my first question, Matthew. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I've, I've got to ask, are you disappointed in what Carl Anthony Towns has become? A whining, complaining, <laughs> clapping in your face like he's Patrick Beverly, douchebag? Um... Not so much as I'm kind of disappointed at how he doesn't treat the game the same way like a Devin Booker would. It just shows you his immaturity still on the floor tonight with what he was doing with Jay Crowder. But you see this a lot with him. Every time we play Carl Anthony Towns, he goes off in the first half. He kind of fades away in the second half. I want to see him kind of develop to where he's still noticeable towards the end of games. And every time we play him, I feel like he's not that guy. So I'm really disappointed in that. And the whole complaining and stuff to the ref, I just feel like, you know, everyone does that shit. And, of course, he looks more annoying because I think the bigger guys always look more annoying than the smaller guys, right? Unless it's Patrick Beverly, maybe. But uh, I don't care. I just I want to see him develop into a guy that can make the playoffs every year, lead a team. But I just still don't see that from him. Yeah, it's interesting because that's the consummate debate. I feel like that's kind of the breaking point when you have the DeAndre Ayton debate, right? I mean, when you talk about top-tier centers, you're saying Jokic, you're saying Embiid. Uh, Bam Adebayo's name has been kind of thrown, not top-tier, but kind of that next tier. And that's the yeah. same tier that I feel DeAndre Ayton and Carol Anthony Towns are at. And we had this conversation uh, quite a few podcasts ago where we were really discussing the hierarchy of where DeAndre Ayton falls in there and whether you'd rather have Carl Anthony Towns or DeAndre Ayton. And you know, the, the conversation can go a million different ways. I think where I always land is DeAndre Ayton is the perfect center for this team. Uh, it's clear they're now 59 and 14. They're one game away from 60. Uh, I was kind of pissed, actually, that the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Brooklyn Nets tonight because if they had lost, they'd be stuck on 49 wins. And if the Suns won tomorrow against Denver, we would hit 60 wins before any team even hit 50 wins in the NBA. Oh. <laughs> it, that would have been nice. We're trying to get everything we can, huh? This yes, season. why not? Go any for kind of all. I want I mean, every, I want one. fucking everything. Another uh, one. But, and another one. <laughs> <laughs> and, but DeAndre Ayton uh, showed us tonight the reasons why he's the perfect player for this team. And Carl Anthony Towns reminded me of all the reasons why I, I didn't, I don't like him as a member of this team. Uh, he is an offense first center. He is somebody who he's overly animated and, and I don't like players that are overly animated like that. And that's just me personally. Uh, you can like what you like and, you know, to each its own, but you really seen, it's like after every play, you know, it, it's kind of the, uh, the Donovan Mitchell effect. It's one of the issues I have with Donovan Mitchell's. He hits a three in the second quarter and he's got to start yelling and screaming to the crowd. Like he just knocked out uh, Rocky Balboa and Rocky two or something, you know? So I really think that, Carl Anthony Towns and the attitude that he has is something that is not necessarily something that would fit into the Suns culture, if you will. Now, granted, I don't want to go in a whole segment of, oh, trade DA or not trade, trade DA. I just, you know, kind of to echo what you said, Matthew, you wish you'd be more focused on the game like Devin Booker is and like this Phoenix Suns team is because he is a fantastic talent. I just feel like given all the random things that have happened in his life, he's kind of. Uh, um, he's moldable and he, the guy who's been molding him is clearly Pat Bev and it's not good. Yeah. And it seems like only the only big men that can really take over a game. I feel like and finish it is like a Giannis or a Jokic, right? Even in B, and, I feel and like in limit. Yeah. He does I have guess, his limitations. I think right. he has limitations a little bit, um, but cat maybe can get that way, but it's just something mentally that he needs to get over. And yeah, we talked before about, you know, the, those two DA and cat always, every, every trade deadline, the last two years we have, um, but DA, I mean, he's been there and done it. He's a winning player right mm -hmm. now, right? He's mm -hmm. playing. And sometimes our, 
the Suns players need to get on him to get his head back in the game sometimes, but that's just the way he is. And he has a perfect group around him, but he can't, you can't deny the fact that DA is a better center right now than what cat is just to win the games, win the important games, win the last five minutes of a game. That's that's DA. And you could sit there and talk about statistics all day long and PR and wins above replacement and points per game and rebounds. You can even do those basic ones. But at the end of the day, the only true statistic that matters is your win-loss record. And I saw something similar to that today when they were talking about LeBron on Twitter, where in his last nine games, they, they threw up his statistics. And then I looked and, you know, they're three and six in those, those games. So it's like, you know, at the end of the day, as long as you're a contributing factor to a winning team, I think that's what matters. And when you talk about DeAndre Ayton, the first thing you do is you make a drop. And the second thing you do is you applaud his effort tonight. In 35 minutes, 15 of 24 for DeAndre Ayton, he scored 35 points, had 14 rebounds, and Matthew, I think one of the, the best parts about that rebounding statistic for him tonight is the fact that seven were on the defensive end and seven were on the offensive end. He was focused on crashing the boards, uh, knowing that you're playing against Carl Anthony Towns, who isn't necessarily a tough and physical rebounder. He likes to be on the perimeter a little bit more, but also he was in foul trouble. And DeAndre Ayton, rather than kind of fading into the mist, if you will, uh, really took advantage of those minutes in which Carl uh, Anthony Towns was out of the game. 11 of DeAndre Ayton's 35 points came in the fourth quarter. He played 10 minutes in the fourth quarter. Cat only played 730 because he got hit with his fifth foul when he threw that elbow into Landry Shamit's beautiful face. Uh, tell me what you saw from DeAndre Ayton today, and are we are, should we continue to expect this DA for the remainder of the season as we prime up for the playoffs, or we just never know with DA? You know, I, I hope so. And I was just going to bring up, like, is this a thing where DA is going to be a constant um, pain in the ass for other teams throughout the whole game? Because we've seen, like, the 10-point first quarter. I mean, the first half when he was 16-11 and 11, uh, going into halftime. And it's like, is this going to continue? It has been, I feel like, the past few weeks where they keep going back to him. And I think the thing is, is, like, you saw Booker even finding DA in different spots on the floor. The bounce passes he was making were, like, usually hesitant in the past to where Booker wouldn't make them. But he made a few tonight that he never usually does. Um, and plus, like, the little pick and roll where DA's on top of the key, Booker mm -hmm. hits him there, and then DA has that nice jump shot right there. It's almost automatic. It's a free throw, basically. Yeah. So that was – you saw that tonight, but you see it more and more. I think just Booker getting him more involved. It's just the point guards need to get him more involved. And it's starting to, to just happen over and over again. And just even the passing from DA tonight, like when Booker found Aiden on the top of the key, everyone comes over to DA, and then DA has a nice pass out to Shamit for a wide-open three. That's the other thing DA can do, right? He's very selfless, so he'll pass it up a course. He gets the ball in the paint, finds McHale. McHale make, or misses a three, but it's still a good shot from McHale. Um, mm -hmm. Those are just things that Aiden, <clears throat> excuse me, oh, that Aiden is really... Um, doing good. And I was thinking about the, the yelling today with the technical foul. Like that was a legit yell. That was a, yeah. a legit, like, Hey, fucking look at me. Ref technical. It was something where well, he was legitimately fouled twice he, on that play. Too. He was. Yeah. And he, he was so emotional about it and it was real from him. A lot of the times yes. in the past, DA would just kind of be like, Oh, come on. Like that should be, that should have been a foul. But this time he meant it. And he meant it because he was so involved. I feel like the first half, Coming out in the second half, he just had that energy still, and he had the momentum of the game behind him to where I think that helps him get more involved and more emotional towards the refs. So we feel it. I feel it when he yells at him like that. So that's a good technical. I love that technical. I think it was – and I thought it was his second one. That's what oh, that the was scary, scary thing. That, that was, was scary, scary because yeah. earlier probably a few possessions – because. We'll talk about it a little bit more, but I mean, the refereeing in this game, as Metal Mike mentioned at the game, it was garbage on both ends. This wasn't like the Sacramento game in which we felt it was very one-sided and the statistics proved it was one-sided. This was a game that began to get emotional and the referees tried to stop it, but they they almost you know accentuated it when it didn't need to happen. And... Yes, DeAndre Ayton uh, on a play previous, I forget. I, like, I don't know who ended up with that technical foul, but I guess it wasn't on DA because the moment that that happened against Carl Anthony Towns, I mean, he's got him on the left block. He backs him down. Carl Anthony Towns is like just straight up pushing him. He's pushing him. You could tell he doesn't want any part of him. DA does a 
turnaround fadeaway jumper, probably about a 13 footer hits it. And even on that play, like as he's shooting, Carlton Towns pushes him again. And then Mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, it was like from the bow, from like the bohemian nuts all the way to the vocal cords. (laughs) He screamed at that ref. And I was just like, fuck man, this sucks. Cause this is DA's in his zone right now. And he's walking around and they started kind of walking him off. And then like, he stayed in the game. I was like, well, this is fantastic, you know, but kind of going to the, uh, I like what icon de Parfum says in the chat. It's like, it's almost like you should feed the most efficient player on our team. And it was nice because this, this is the cerebral side of the Phoenix suns is they knew that Carl Anthony towns was emotionally invested in this game. It was clear on the play in which he should have got a technical foul and didn't when he dunked as he went by Jay Crowder. It's not like he dunked all over him. Jay Crowder was a weak side defender. He was coming in. He brushed upon him and he did kind of like he, he noticed. He, yeah. Uh, Carlton tells like you're too little. Small. He's like, too you're small, too small yeah. to guard me. Yeah. And yells at him. That should have been a technical foul right there. Anyways, they go back down. There's a little tussle. If you look at it, it's not really anything. It's just Jay Crowder kind of going up to Carlton towns and be like, dude, you're a douchebag. And then, and they both get hit with double text. Carlton Towns starts doing the whole clapping thing. Uh, and, and then he turned to the crown and he, and he pointed at his head. Like, we're in their head. And what I don't think that he realized in that moment is, no, the Suns are in your head. Because you think that dunking on Jay Crowder and calling him small is going to shake this team? A team that survived your shitty teammate Patrick Beverly in the Western Conference Finals last year to the point where we broke him and he pushed Chris Paul in the back as he as he walked off the court. <laughs> and so what yeah. the Phoenix Suns did cerebrally is to Icon to Parfum's comment in the chat. He says, they decided to feed the most efficient player on the team because they knew that that's where Carl Anthony Towns would be. And that's where they could continue to try to grind on him physically and at the same time play off of his emotions. And they did that. They grind, they grinded it out in the second half. They put him, they got him into foul trouble, you know, and then he starts doing the, you know, throwing his hands up, getting all frustrated. <laughs> yep, and and yep. it's like at that point, we knew that we broke them. Yeah, and the, the too small thing, you can go a step further how much more disrespectful it is. If you listen to No Dunks podcast, any of the jamsters out there, uh, they know KD likes to do the little tiny penis thing to the guys <laughs> in front of them. That's even more disrespectful instead of yeah. going low to the floor. So after, after KD takes guys on, he keeps doing that. And I'm just like, damn, dude, that's like really disrespectful. Yes. So that happens a lot. And uh, what happens is, you know, you have Booker with that dunk towards the end of the game. That's when you celebrate. That's when you get the technical. Yes. That's when you get. That's the, when you get the, the technical the fans. That's when you get involved with the fans, and have them react in a way to where okay, we're gonna go home. That's because it's the end of the game. That's that's the game right there. Yeah, you dude. don't that do it halfway the through you the second. No, you don't do that, dude. You just don't. As soon as I heard that, or because I was listening to some of it in the second, yeah, I was like, what the f- is going on right now, man? Yeah, just an emotional game. And to your point. Big Dick Booker. I mean, this was a game designed for Big Dick Booker dominance. Going against D'Lo, going against Carl Anthony Towns, seeing how unbelievably emotional Carl Anthony Towns was. And and let's be real with it. Devin Booker from the floor didn't have the greatest night, right? 7 for 15 from the floor. Uh, not horrible. It's above uh, or it's just shy of 50%. But what he did is get to the line and he shot 16 free throws. He hit 13 of them. He had 28 total points in the third quarter alone. He had 11 points and he closed out uh, the fourth quarter with a total of 11 points as well. So 22 of his 28 points came in the second half uh, after the clowning around and, you know, shout out to coach Evan B who, who uh, hosts the he's on fire podcast. You know, one of the things that he always says on Twitter and it's it's almost comical is he's always like, oh, I see you're poking the bear. Like, don't mm-hmm. poke the bear. Don't poke the suns because guess what? You're going to have to deal with it. And coach is dead right when he says that. And I and I read that comment as I was monitoring Twitter because whenever I'm writing the uh, uh, the recap for Bright Side of the Sun, I'm always kind of on Twitter seeing what's being there because or because or, I like to, you know, you, you pull some of those quotes and you put them inside of the article. And when I read that one, I go, yeah, this definitely feels like a poking the bear moment. Yeah. And honestly, congrats to book, right? Felix says 11 G's baby, which is 11,000 11, points. points. Yeah. The fourth youngest on player in the history of the NBA. Yeah. 4,000, the fourth youngest player in the history of the NBA to get there. And he reminds me, and I hate to say this, but like Derek Jeter 
like the way he, you know, hit the 3000th home run, like that's a bigger accolade, of course, but it's like a, it's a home run, right? 3000th hit. I mean, hit. Was a yeah, home I'm, run. I'm like home run. Holy shit. What did I no, miss on? Not, at all. not even close. Holy. He probably had three his whole career, <laughs> but that's the way Booker does it. He almost hit it on that three that he made to really seal the game. But then of course it was actually the dunk that really, really sealed the game. But that's the way, you know, Booker is tonight. I don't know if you saw him too. Um, I guess he was walking by a fan on the court and called. Yes, called him a pussy. If anybody, yeah, that. <laughs> I posted I, that in the bright side this article. This game is too quick. This game is way too quick. These refs can. I, I'm just saying, you don't even notice that, of course, on TV because you can't hear. But him to like look and say that and then get back into the play, man, this game is just too fast. And the thing about the points too on the Bill Simmons podcast this morning, they were talking about you know Giannis maybe being the next guy that uh-huh. can beat LeBron to the which, most points. They in gave, which the Ringer gave 12 percent chance of doing. Yeah, and so Booker, in order to do that, let's say LeBron retires with 40,000 points, Booker would have to actually go the next 14 years in the NBA if he finishes this year with just 11,000 points and average 26 points per game. And I was going to really? ask you, do you think it's possible? Yeah, I no, mean, do you think that's a possible, possible thing? That is, that's no. a lot. That's a lot of miles, man. Yeah, well, especially, and here's the one reason it's not possible, because Devin Booker gets mauled and he doesn't get fouls. And as his career progresses, he's going to go further and further away from the paint, just like Chris Paul does. The one thing that makes Chris Paul unbelievably effective is his mid-range game. But if you go back mm-hmm. and you watch Chris Paul highlight Chris Paul highlights at Wake Forest and hit the beginning of his career, like he used to be a banger. He used to go down in the paint and draw fouls, and his free throw numbers were high. And as his career has progressed, he's understood that in order to stay effective, he needs to avoid the contact and the physicality of the game as much as he can. So Devin Booker, I was, it's funny you say that because obviously I listen to a lot of the same podcasts you do, and I was listening yeah. to that one today, and then they brought up the whole 11,000 thing uh, today because uh, Carl Anthony Towns also hit 11,000 points today as well. They both did. Uh, okay. and, I, and I was just like, I wonder which one of those guys could, if they could ever challenge LeBron's statistic, and I just don't think they can because neither of them are built to sustain the damage that comes with that. You know, it's not like they're unbelievably, don't get me wrong, Carl Anthony Towns is a great three-point shooter, but like that's not where they live. And that's not where they garner the most of the majority of their points. So it'd be interesting to see if Devin Book, how far Devin Booker gets. Uh, but I don't see him coming near LeBron's. But it, that's all it takes, yeah. huh? 26 points a game for the next 15 years. Yeah, uh, next 14 years. <laughs> 14 if he were years. to stop at 11,000 right now. And um, I he does have the mid range down, he has a jump shot. And usually you see players towards the end of their career go to the jump shot as something, you know, where they're getting too tired to get to the rim and they of can't course. take the fouls anymore. So he does and that's have where that. he lives. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, he doesn't, he's been injury prone in the past when he usually had the whole team on his shoulders. So if he doesn't have that, I think he can kind of stay out of that way, but I don't know. It's that, that'd be really tough. Very impressive though. Oh yeah, absolutely. 11,000. Again, he yeah. is, uh, God, how far away is he from, um, Walter Davis, because Walter Davis, I think Walter Davis has about 18,000 points as a member of the Phoenix Suns, and that's, okay. that's the all-time scoring record for the Suns uh, relative to total points, but I'm not 100% sure, and of course, my computer's slow, so I can't like look it up and talk at the same time. Um, oh, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. Let me see if I uh, leaders, career leaders, loading, loading, um, total points, total points. Where are you at? Um, this is really fun to listen to. I know Suns fans, but you know what? We're historians of the game, and we we appreciate this kind of stuff. Walter Davis, fifteen thousand six hundred and sixty six total points. So Devin Booker's only four, like is, is under he's under five thousand to catch in Walter Davis. Yeah, so four and a half, five seasons. Yeah, because he so, have well, no, not even like four seasons because he almost gets to two thousand per season. Yeah, he gets to like sixteen hundred a season, yes, sixteen yes. seventeen. So, uh, Jens in the chat just gave us ten bucks. Thank you, Jens, for donating Thanks, me the super Jens. chat. Uh, it's Jens or Jens. I don't know. Maybe you're Jens. Danish. Jens. Uh, I listened to the Wolves commentary team, and they have a really good one. Not too much home bias and good appreciation of the opponent. Ours is top notch, but who else do you think has a good one? I'll tell you this. I don't listen to a lot of opposing teams feeds simply because I live in Phoenix. Um, I'm more of a national TV guy. And my favorite thing is anytime it's on NBA TV, I think that they have some of the best because they're bas- they're typically more basketball oriented uh, versus analytically driven. And uh, you don't have Doris Burke on NBA TV, so therefore it automatically wins. <laughs> she's, you know <laughs> she's what? Horrible. If they could just have something where it's Barkley and Shaq and them giving each other shit, 
throughout the game. That's what I would like to listen to. I can focus on the game and call my own game. I don't need people to tell me what the hell's going on. No, exactly. So uh, kudos to Justin Sexton. He is a new YouTube member. He's an elite jamster. And just so uh, all of you know, again, if you want to become an elite jamster, hit the join button on the YouTube channel and you'll get access to some premium content. We'll be putting out uh, one of our start bench trade jersey number one things here very shortly, probably this upcoming weekend. So uh, moving on in the game, another guy who had a fantastic game and maybe, maybe I love him. All I can say is sham. Wow. I'm just so happy that Landry Shamit's playing the way that we wanted him to all season. And I know I said a lot of pissed off things about him and you know what? I stand by everything that I said. Everything that we oh look at this metal Mike is in the chat now that's fantastic drive oh. safe metal Mike yeah, I was like don't, <laughs> I was gonna say don't message and drive dude yeah but, don't message and drive but 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 again uh, everything that Landry Shamit is doing right now is exactly what we signed him to do and ever since the All Star break since Chris Paul went down the opportunity has been there for him he's executed on that opportunity and I actually had a buddy of mine text me he's like dude. He looked like Reggie Miller on that one play where he came off a curl and just hit a three. And yes. he was hitting some pretty big haymakers because let's let's be real. The Minnesota Timberwolves in the first half uh, were deadly from beyond the arc. And they hit nine of 24. Uh, but more importantly, in that second quarter where they ballooned their lead, they hit seven of 15. In the second half, they really slowed down. Uh, they were four of 19, which is 21 0.1%, whereas the Suns went 7 for 14 from beyond the arc. And a big part of that was Landry Shamit. Uh, in the second half, he had two threes, uh, but overall he ended with 19 points, uh, 6 of 10 shooting, including 5 of 9 from beyond the arc. He had the highest plus minus on the team tonight. He was a plus 21. How proud are you of Landry Shamit? And do you love him? You know, I, I'm really close. Um, he, this was more of like a, a little bit of a dick-grabbing game from him, right? I mean, he was adjusting himself a few times. He was of just course. feeling it, dude. Yeah, um, he was feeling that, it. <laughs> that three was Reggie Merrill. Like, it seriously was, man. He, all right, so the threes that he had in the in the second quarter, uh, when I was listening to the game, the Minnesota Timberwolves could not miss. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is nice. So I love these kind of games where – you know, the T-Wolves can't miss a three, and you know the Suns are still going to win. So they're <laughs> this team's so cute. They're trying as, as hard as they can to really keep up with the Suns. And you have a guy like Shamit hit three threes in a row in the second quarter. He hit two in a row, and then uh, the third like later down the line a little bit. But even after that, he's the reason he kept the Suns in that game at that time. It was almost yes. a comeback. They almost were able to tie the game. But, of course, the Wolves pulled away. But those are that's what, that's what we wanted, right? And on the Bill Simmons podcast, what we were talking about earlier, they were talking about Javon Carter, my guy, yeah, right? my, I starting, know, right? my future starting point guard <laughs> and how much Bill Simmons loves this guy now. Yeah, and I was thinking, I'm like, damn dude, like what if Shaman didn't pan out and if we were to play the bucks again in this, in the finals and Javon Carter were to win a championship, over us how sucky would that be knowing that we have Shamit over here and he didn't pan out the way we we wanted him to but now he's showing up now he's making sure that that's not going to happen hopefully we don't playoffs aren't here yet we don't know how he's going to perform yet but it's still something where it's like god that can't happen sons adjusted their roster for size they got the shooting everything to compete with the bucks and then now Javon Carter's over there playing crunch time minutes. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I heard the same podcast. I was like, oh, look at all the love that Javon's getting. I'm like, you know what? Matthew and I, we started that fan club the moment he stepped on the court, his first game against the Sacramento Kings back in 2019. Yeah. So, you know what? We own stock on the, on that island. So, Bill Simmons, you owe us some money. Uh, but back to Landry Shamit, you know, you're right. The The trade piece was to bring in Landry Shamit. They paid him before the season. Uh, a, a nice contract, you know, it's, I think it's like 44 mil, some along those lines comes out to about 10 something a year, which is a, an unbelievably uh, tradable contract, which is why I've never, you know, some people have been saying, you know, Landry Shamit's contract. And, and th this is when he's playing like, gar excuse me, playing like garbage. Landry Shamit's com uh, contract is untradable. Somebody wrote that and I saved that somewhere. Cause I think that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. But that being said, the way that, that it's structured is something that if he didn't work out this year, you could trade that contract and get something back, a pretty nice asset for it. And the nice thing is we don't have to talk about it now because of the way he's been playing. Uh, five for nine from beyond the arc 
uh, in his last game against Sacramento, including that massive three-pointer that essentially won the game, five for nine from beyond the arc tonight. And the way that he's been playing since the All-Star break is unbelievably ridiculous. Uh, he's shooting. I, I can't even pull up the stat. I'm trying to, but my computer sucks. I'm trying to pull up the stat on what he's been shooting since the All-Star break. But it is. I'll tell you this, Jamsters, it's ridiculous. Uh, here it is, 42.1% from beyond the arc since the All-Star break. Uh, two or 5.4 attempts a game. So if you're shooting 42% on almost six attempts a game, like that's legit 10 points a game from Landry. That's what you need. I mean, that is the, the, to your point, one of the most important points of this game is when the Phoenix Suns were having a hard time scoring. It was Deandre Ayton. And that's it in the first half for the most part, as mentioned before, Devin Booker, six first half points. He wasn't on the top of his game. It was Landry Shamit who hit a couple really clutch threes just to kind of keep the Suns within striking distance. Due to the melee at the end of uh, the first half, the the bullshit call on Jay Crowder when he was falling through and, and hit Pat Bev in the back of the head and got two free throws out of the deal, and they pushed the lead to 13 entering halftime, you knew that the Suns were on the brink of breaking the game and coming back uh, simply because of, you knew that they weren't playing well and they had the ability to do so. So again, I think that the way do you want to talk about Pat Bev real quick? Yeah, we can. Yeah. Let's talk about Pat Bev. Let's go. He's uh, he's yeah. I wish I had a drop for Pat Bev. Uh, <laughs> you know what? He's not, he's not worth a drop though. Um, he's just, he's a frustrating player to watch. The, the problem I have with Pat Bev, here's the primary problem that I have with Pat Bev. It's the same problem I have with, Oh, what's his ugly face? Uh, Blake Griffin. They they play recklessly to the point where it's dangerous. And they could hurt not only themselves, but other players. And we've seen that in the past. And somehow, you know, I get I get it. Minnesota fans, like, I, I think I told you this, and, and if I didn't, uh, it, it happened. I stumbled into Timberwolves Twitter one time when, when they gave Patrick Beverly the contract extension earlier in the year, I tweeted something like I didn't know trash was worth that much. And they went at me dog. And you know, they're very protective of Pat Bev. And he's a, he's one of those guys who I assume if he's on your team, you appreciate his hustle. Uh, but he is, he overacts, he plays dangerously and I'm not a fan of his brand of basketball. And I just think that he's a trash player. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. But the way Pat Bev has to be is that way to be in the league. He has to continue yes, to be that yeah. way. No, yeah, you're and right. And it sucks. And like even like a Chris Paul, you know, if he's not on your team, it sucks because he, Chris Paul himself, will do some things that are a little bit dirty. But it's it's fine if you're a Suns fan. But if you're on the other team, it's like you know on their yeah, but, side. But, but Beverly's like next but level. He is. That's what I was gonna say. Like he is a, definitely a ten, and you know Chris Paul might be a two or a three, but. Bev is a 10 out of 10. He he can't get any nastier as a player. Plus, offensively, like he'll take some shots too, thinking that he is, you know, he can hit any shot on the floor, and that will stop any kind of offensive flow you have. So that's the way he is. I think last year with the Clippers, wasn't he like hitting ridiculous threes in the playoffs or something? Like he, he was never couple. that hot. Yeah, yeah, I think if you know, it was like two, falling out of bounds. It was like I remember he hit one where I felt and like it was like falling out of bounds, complete luck, and then of course he hits it, and you're like, great, now I got to watch this clown run around and act like he, you know, yeah, he's that's Michael Jordan part. in the '92 NBA Finals. Well, that's the way he. That's why he is what he is because he doesn't make the big shots. He doesn't make the big plays offensively. So defensively, he has to step in as that guy that has to be nasty. And like I said last pod, I think the Wolves kind of need that. But honestly, like when it gets too wound, wound wound up towards the end of the games, and you have Patrick Beverly to kind of try to be a leader, I guess in a way, mm -hmm. then that's that's no good for you. That's no good for your team because on the floor you're gonna lose control of what you have going on. And kind of a little bit of momentum, any kind of momentum you have is gonna be ruined by Pat Bev. So that I can happen. And it does great happen. Great observation. He ha he does it all the time to teams. Yeah, he because of the emotional way that he plays he gets his fellow teammates to be emotional. And what did we learn tonight? And what have we learned in life period, my fellow jamsters? It's better to act with logic than emotion. I do some training where I literally talk about emotional intelligence with some of my team members because working in the industry, I do guess what people can be dicks and we work in hospitality. And when they do that, you have to respond logically, not emotionally. And to your point, when Patrick Beverly starts to get his team emotionally riled up, which he kind of did. I mean, you saw it. 
Carlton yeah. Towns took a, a page out of the Pat Bev toilet paper book and he started clapping in Jay Crowder's face and doing the clowning around, you know, Carl Anthony clowns, as I tweeted today. I think mm-hmm. that, again, it takes the team out of their game. And what made the makes what makes the Suns such a great team is their cerebralness to go, OK, yeah, we're just going to continue to execute at nauseum and you can't stop us. And it's boring basketball. I mean, the Phoenix Suns are personified by the way that Devin Booker plays. It's a 19-foot jump shot that's worth two points. It's not sexy. It's not cool. It just gets the job done. And you have the Minnesota Timberwolves always going for the highlights, and they they lose, They lost tonight because of it. I won't say they lose consistently because of it. They're a team that, due to the uh, what happened tonight, finds themselves in the seven seed. They're fighting kind of with Denver, the team that we play tomorrow, for that six seed. And you can't have mental lapses when you're trying to do that and, and trying to earn that spot. And unfortunately, they did tonight. Yeah. One guy one guy who I really didn't feel had much impact on the game was Anthony Edwards. 19 points. Uh, that's actually the leading score for, for the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys score in double figures. Their highest point man was Anthony Edwards with 19. They had Vanderbilt with 12, who was killing it early with his uh, rebounding until DeAndre Ayton said, not in my house. Carl Anthony Town, 15 and 11. Malik Beasley, 15. Torian Prince, 10. Uh, Nas Reed had 10. And then Jalen Knoll had 15. He had like, he had 15 and 12 minutes. Uh, but talk about Anthony Edwards. What did you see from him tonight? Because I didn't see much that was, you know, earth shattering. And he's an earth shattering player. He is. He's the second scariest guy on that team, right? He is, he's yeah. honestly, to have the ball in his hands late in the game, I would rather have. Carl Anthony Towns and Edwards playing against him. I don't want to see Edwards with the ball for some reason. He scares the shit out of me. Now, I don't know. The Jamsters could probably help me out with this, but it seemed like, was it Mikhail or who was it? Mikhail, there's a few possessions I noticed because defensively, I can't really, I can't really pay attention too much. I don't know why the thing, <laughs> defense, schmefense, right? In the NBA, <laughs> I never believe in it. So I'll never get into it. All right. So, Mikael Bridges, it looked like a few times, was able to halt, alter his shot a little bit. Yes. But Edwards is a guy that I feel like can really do whatever he wants. He can really get to any spot on the floor he wants. Um, handling the ball, there's there's an issue, right, maybe between him, D'Angelo Russell. Maybe he should be the guy handling the ball more, him and Carl Anthony Towns, but I think the ball needs to be in his hands a lot more. Uh, towards the end of last year, that was a thing, like give him the opportunity to really explore himself sexually, or I mean offensively, <laughs> on the floor and see what he has. This year, though, he just seems like a very scary – and next year I feel like he can be one of like the top 20 players that you would fear the most with the ball in their hands at the end of the games. He's like that close to me. No, yeah, he's an unbelievable talent, and he fears no one, and he's very, very physical. And as all of the Jamsters are noting in the chat, it was the Mikhail Bridges effect tonight. It was the fact that you had a guy who is going to be the defensive player of the year deeing up such a great offensive talent. The and that, I mean, that makes sense. And I noticed it on a few possessions where he he just, the length of Mikhail Bridges is something that uh, bodes well when he's playing a player like Anthony Edwards because Anthony Edwards although explosive, isn't necessarily quick. It's the quick guys that give Mikhail Bridges some trouble when he has to guard the guards that have quickness. Dame Lillard comes to mind when healthy. And what always makes Mikhail Bridges effective against those guys isn't his ability to keep them in front of him, but his ability to recover on defense. And he can deter the shot when he's uh, when the guy's already passed him. With Anthony Edwards, he doesn't have that quick enough first step to get by Mikhail Bridges. And you saw Mikhail force him into some tough jumpers, and that's not really his game. He's a guy who can hit threes but loves to get to the rim. And I'll tell you this, when he got his technical foul, which was technical foul number 35 on the game, uh, I he wasn't <laughs> fouled on that game, on that play. He he was bitching and moaning, but he wasn't fouled on that play. He just he thought the contact was coming. It didn't come, and then he missed he missed the, uh, the layup, and oh, well. Mm-hmm. Was that in the first half? I must have missed that. No, it was in the third quarter. Was it? It was in the third yeah, quarter. And yeah, so that, well, yeah, that, that's when you were picking your taint. It was the taint picking time. <laughs> Jeez, so, so man. They, they, he missed the layup. The Suns got it. We're on a fast break, had like four on two, 
And that's when the technical foul happened. Devin Booker was pissed because he went to the ref. He's like, dude, look like we got four on two down here and mm. you're going to just give us one shot in the ball. You know, I mean, yeah. it was it, again, it was one of those games where the officiating was frustrating. It was inconsistent and they were trying to manage it by just teeing everybody up and mm-hmm. it got ridiculous at points. And, you know, I, I had, as I was writing for bright side of the sun, I'm like, really, am I going to write two consecutive games about shitty officiating? And I literally, <laughs> yeah. I literally, the Seriously. title, the title was, uh, you know, game recap, uh, uh, tech city 2002 or no, like tech party, something. Where I was, but then I, you know, then DA is killing him. Like I'm just going to rename this DA, and I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. delete my my little rants about career high the, in points the, too. Thirty five. I don't know if we uh, mentioned no, that. No, no, no. Season high. Season high. high. My bad. Yeah. Um, they said it like six times on the post game. Like you're, they, they were interviewing like, yeah, your career high. It's like no, his career high, I believe, was thirty eight. So okay, season high, thirty five and fourteen. What what a fantastic yeah. dude. Isn't it? Bridges is a different player from the beginning of this year, right? Like he, he is. Just like when I'm listening to the game in my car on the way home, and I'm just like, oh, it's cute that the Wolves are hitting these threes. And, you know, Mikhail Bridges hasn't done much offensively. I don't worry about that because he comes back. He hits the two threes to start the second half. But he just he's a different guy getting to the rim in the reverse layup. But he's just a completely different player offensively. I don't know what to expect from him anymore, man. He's doing so much stuff out there that I never thought he had in his arsenal. And it's coming out late in the year. Perfect timing before the playoffs start. And I wanted to ask too, who do you think is going to be an all-star first? Is it going to be Cameron Johnson or Mikhail Bridges? It all co- it's, it'll be Mikhail Bridges. <laughs> it'll be Mikhail. So? I say Cam. Oh, yeah. Well, it'll be Mikhail because he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year, and he's and he's going to have that national uh, prominence now. He'll win he's it gonna, this he, year. He's going to end. Oh yeah, he's winning it this year. I don't see how he can't oh, win really? it this year. I really like. I am a full blown. I, I believe that Mikhail Bridges will win the Defensive Player of the Year this reason or this year for a couple of reasons. One, the narratives there with the recognition. I mean, you saw Stephen A. do his little thing the other day on First Tank where he was, you know, Draymond Green thinks he's the defensive player of the year. That award's done. That's going to Mikhail Bridges. So when you get the First Take guys <laughs> saying it, that generally comes from enough people outside of First Take saying it. First Take is always like the last take. Like, they're they're the slowest to come around on anything, in my personal opinion. So yeah. when they're saying it, you know that enough people in NBA circles are talking about it. I think Giannis is having a great year, and he's at the point where he might win that MVP, and I think he should. Mm-hmm. I really, it's between him and Jokic, in my opinion. Embiid uh, is kind of falling off a little bit, in my opinion, and you couple that with the fact that they've lost some games, and now they're starting to rest him because they have their sights set on bigger things, and. The Harden effect is kind of going around in Philly. We're going to see that team on Sunday at 3 o'clock. That's going to be really exciting. Um, But I think that the only way that Giannis wins the Defensive Player of the Year is if he doesn't win the MVP. But I think he might have a case for MVP. Yeah, I can see that. But like like Simmons said, I think I really have to wait till the end of the year because we keep flip-flopping on this so much. I mean, I go between teams in the East that I think are going to make the championship. And I just, I can't decide. And honestly, the way Book's been playing, I'm not saying it's not... I don't feel like it's really out of reach for him to kind of gain a lot more attraction the way he's closing these games out, man. Like, yeah, he had a bad first half, but a lot of good players do. He comes back and closes the game for the Suns again. Like... The way he's ending these games, calling fans pussies and all that, like he he's doing everything <laughs> right. <laughs> he is hundred percent right, right? He is. I mean, I he is. that's gonna be the most used thing all year. Oh, I know. It's it's fantastic. And he again, and, and and he hits that dunk. He you know, or he hit the three first. He hit the deep mm-hmm. three, and they call you know forces Minnesota to call timeout, and that put it at one eleven one oh three at that point. Like that was a massive three. It's four and a half minutes left. It's one oh eight one oh three. D book hits a a monster three and you see him yelling at a guy in the crowd guy stands up yelling he's yelling right back at him and we talk about it how he has that trait that jordan had where he knows how to take the opposition and utilize it as productive fuel to fan the flame of his offensive fire that he's building that night and it's it's fantastic to see and then as he's going down and people are talking shit he's like yeah shut up pussy and then he can kind of he continues He continues dribbling to play. If you haven't seen that on Twitter, folks, you got to go check it out. It's funny as shit. Uh, Blue Wire Podcasts uh, are the ones who tweeted it out. So you can go check it out. It's really fun. Yeah, keep those phones open, too. And plus, who... 
who are keep those phones rolling like seriously on yes. the, the crowd that they're i love the banter back and forth i want to see more of that and honestly uh who is booker really winning with on his roster i'm just saying like deandre Ayton, yeah that's a name but he has to get him going too you know what i mean so yes it's a lot more than what the suns are just being a well well-oiled machine and all that it's just it's more than that it's just booker's winning ways it's just rubbing off on him that rubbed off from chris paul so yep it's yeah, just, did you see Chris Paul after Dev Booker got that technical? Oh, no, what did he say? Lo- oh, he was you could see him. He loved it. I saw him he loved it. Loved it. Okay. He you know, it was like big brother, little brother kind of thing. He's like, Yeah, I've okay, caught you good. well, young Jedi. Uh Alberto Sa says in the chat, this game gave us amazing content, LMAO, which is which that's is the Suns. Yes, that's the Sun. They give you no other a, team does this. Not that I'm aware of, not consistent and, and wins the game, you know, because again, this yeah. is game number 73. Chris Paul. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton have played together only 32 of the games this year. This is game number 73 for 59 and 14. This is a game that the Suns entered as one and a half point favorites. And every, again, every reason to lose this game, every reason to mm-hmm. the Wolves in theory should have wanted this more. They're fighting to not be in the play in game. The Phoenix Suns, who just won the Pacific Division, by the way, congratulations, Pacific Division champion Phoenix Suns. <laughs> Uh, their eighth time doing so in the history of the franchise since joining the Pacific Division in 1972. And that's second most in the history of the Pacific Division. The Warriors have only won it seven times. So suck it, Warriors. Uh, <laughs> but I well, I completely lost where I was going. The Phoenix Suns are good. Oh, yeah. The Phoenix, the, 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 the Phoenix Suns are a team that they, they don't need this game. It's the first night of a back-to-back. They're playing a team that's unbelievably hungry that was clearly fired up, and they could have just been like, you know, I was saying the same thing. Uh, I, I say this, I, I feel like, almost every game right now. It's like they could have just rolled it up and said, you know what, we're going to rest, we're going to relax. It's the first night of a back-to-back. Who cares? Mikael Bridges plays 38 minutes. DA plays 35. Booker plays 35. Campaign, 31. You know, Jay Crowder played 24, and the only reason he did that is because he had five personal fouls. And you know what? They're going to go to Denver tomorrow night, and they're going to bring the same intensity uh, because it's Suns in Foreland, and this is a team that uh, has a potential MVP candidate on it, and they're going to find a reason, and there's going to be some jackass fans there are going to be talking some shit, and Devin Booker's going to be doing the same shit. He's just going to be yelling at them. So uh, to that point, this team is so much fun, and it's because you know winning winning's fun, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Winning's fun. <laughs> Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, a reminder subscribe, rate, review, hit the thumbs up button, become an elite Jamster. Let us know in the chat who your Jam star of the game is. I'll go first because you went first and you always go first, Matthew. It's DA. It's DA today. It's DA tomorrow. It's DA till for the rest of our lives. 35 and 14. In a game where he went against Carl Anthony Towns, uh, I believe that of the last eight games now, the uh, Suns have played against the Minnesota Timberwolves. They've only won once, and I'm sure you remember the one game they won, right? Oh yeah, for sure. One where both Edwards 40, 40. and yeah, the forty forty game when mm-hmm. when they both Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns both scored forty points against the Phoenix Suns, and yeah. we still almost won that game. Uh, but if entering this game, DeAndre Ayton is five and one against Carl Anthony Towns. He is now six and one, ladies and gentlemen. So that should settle any debates that you have. Mm-hmm. And it has a lot to do with them. The wins, right? I mean, it's not just the players. My jam star is DA for sure. It's not just the players around him. Like anybody can say, you know, Mikhail Bridges, it's a system. Cameron Johnson, the system. It's not. These players, they can play on any team and play this way. Of course, this just leads to winning basketball when they're all playing as the same as the same team i just i think the way da's been playing lately we could tell like even tonight's a it's a playoff atmosphere like he's he's just ready he's just ready for the playoffs man i think this whole team is of course chris paul wait for that guy but everyone's ready amen they're ready to go they're they're priming they're priming themselves up and what's interesting is our buddy flex uh tweeted out yesterday that he would not be surprised if we saw chris paul come back in the game tomorrow against the Nuggets. Uh, There was reports coming from Dwayne Rankin that Chris Paul was participating in five-on-five practices. 
We've seen video clips of him at shoot around over the past couple of weeks. We are right at that kind of five week mark, if you will. Um, mm. Total crazy stat. I, I didn't realize this until I was writing a different piece for Bright Side of the Sun. How many games do you think Cam Johnson's missed? Oh, um, 20. I mean, no. I mean, like, how many games has it been since he's been injured? Like 11. Yeah, sure. it's 11. I was surprised by that. I was surprised this was his 11th missed game. Oh, really? Like, yeah, yeah. I was just like, I oh, thought it was he, more than that, though. No, I was just like, he just hit the buzzer beater the other night against the Knicks. And then I was and like, doing he's just like, research. Hush, hush, yeah. he's gone. Just, he's like, gone. Yeah, it's like Kaiser Sose. Poof, he's gone. Just throws the, the, oh, did you see Batman? That was the uh, little No, smoke I haven't grenade. seen it yet. Oh. I haven't seen it yet. Did you go see it? I did see it with Stephanie. Like, F you guys. Monday. F you Last guys. Last we saw it during the week. <laughs> you, F you guys. I wanted to see that so bad. Chan doesn't want to see it because it's like three hours. F you guys. Um, Jesus. I want, who am I going to go see Batman with now? Jamsters, why don't you be my friend? Uh, so the Suns at the Nuggets preview. Again, there is a potential that we might get Chris Paul back. But tell me what you're looking for in this matchup with the 43-30 and 30 Denver Nuggets. I want the MVP candidate versus the other MVP candidate. Booker versus Jokic. Let's see. Let's see who wins this game, right? I mean, this is what it's about. I feel like the last 10 games, so, you know, in between 10, 9 games for everybody the rest of the year, these MVP candidates are going, might be going head-to-head. So this one counts big. I mean, the way Book ended this game going into the next game, like, it has to be at least one ESPN highlight in there that he, he can have for tomorrow night, I feel like, against this Nuggets team because – Jokic has been talked about a lot, but I feel like he could put the nail in the coffin on Jokic if Booker can come out and have a huge game. I really think it's a thing now, man. I know even John Morant's not being talked about at all, but I think Booker's kind of leapt John Morant in a way just because of the record, just because yeah. he's doing it without Chris Paul. Well, I mean, this did you see the whole Isaiah Ta- Isaiah Thomas thing yesterday? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, yeah. Yep. The, it's all about the names out there. It really is, and it's it's really sad. It's the way it is, but that's just Book, though, man. It's been like this his whole career, and he's done nothing but win right yeah. he's done nothing but win and come out the execute. other side winning execute that's what it's about so the denver nuggets like i said 43 and 30 they currently hold the sixth seed in the western conference after the suns defeated the minnesota timberwolves that becomes a game and a half lead for denver uh just earlier in the week maybe it was the, over the weekend uh minnesota had jumped into the sixth seed and now they've lost two in a row since then. The Nuggets have won their last they won their last game against the Los Angeles Clippers. So that's a team that's definitely trying to stay afloat and avoid that play-in game. You look at how they play this season. Uh, they are, when it comes to offensive rating, they're seventh in the league. Defensively, they're 15th in the league, 10th overall when it comes to net rating. Uh, a team that definitely will be up for this game, much akin to the Minnesota Timberwolves. These are quality opponents that we're playing. We're just playing at a much better level. The nice thing is if we win this game, we clinch the best record in the Western Conference. Uh, had had the Memphis lost tonight, we would have done it tonight. Uh, but the magic number for the Suns and the number one seat is now one. One. Because we are currently 59 and 14, <clears throat> and the Memphis Grizzlies are the next closest team in the NBA. They have 50 wins, and we have nine games less. So essentially, if we lost out and they won out uh, because they've played one less game than us, they would end with 61 wins, and that's the only reason, only way it would happen. So uh, that being said, the Suns have a 12-game lead over any team in the Eastern Conference. It's just it's remarkable what this team's absolutely doing. It's just it's unbelievably it, remarkable. It, it is, and they have to be rewarded. They did. They really do. And what's funny is like if if Book wins MVP, let's say that happens, and then of course if Mikael Bridges wins Defensive Player of the Year, all I'm still gonna be worried about is just winning the championship. Well, you know exactly. I mean? that could happen, <laughs> and I'd still be like, oh, are they still gonna win because it'd be such a letdown. Well, that's exactly that's the big thing. You know, I I tweeted out yesterday. Uh, that the Suns are on pace to end the season with at least an eight-game lead over any other NBA team. And I talked about this with Coach Evan B on a podcast he was on with us. Uh, and I said it had it been done since the 2000 Lakers. It's been done a total of 10 times in NBA history. The 2000 Lakers, the 96 Bulls ended with a ga- an eight-game or, lar- ga- eight or larger lead over every other mm-hmm. team in the NBA. 96 Bulls, 92 Bulls. 84 Celtics, 73 Celtics, 71 Bucks, 67 76ers, and then the 65, 60, and 57 Celtics. 
Only one of those teams, the 10 times that a team has ended their regular season with an eight game or more lead over the rest of the competition, only one time, the 1973 Celtics, did they not win an NBA title? And that's what's going kind of again. You know, the Suns are being so dominant, and you're right. Accolades are fantastic, but doesn't matter unless you win the chip. Yeah. And, you know, so we go to Denver tomorrow. We have an opportunity to clinch the number one overall spot in the NBA. Let's go get it. Let's go beat Denver. Suns in four, whatever. I don't give a shit. I wonder what that guy's up to. Oh, he's probably on meth or something now. He's probably playing with his little doll that they had made of him. You know, and he's... (laughs) Slowly cuts off the fingers, so it ends up just being the, it flipping off because he, he's. I used to be relevant. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, any notes that we missed tonight, Matthew? Before we get out of here, uh, let me take a quick peek, really quick. Uh, quick peek, really quick, and there is nothing. Cameron Payne back to back buckets to start the fourth. Hell yeah! Yeah, yeah a, there you go. Campaign. There you go. There's yes. a note missed. I missed that note. I gotta make a drop for him. So. Uh, for that, I apologize. Him and like Jay Crowder, the two that's just like, what the fuck's wrong with me? <laughs> I can't wait to see the Jay one. If you make oh, that one. man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Jamsters, let me know. What should I do for the Jay Crowder drop? Jesus. Uh, but on that note, Jamsters, again, thank you for joining us on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. He's Matthew. I'm John. And you are awesome for either watching or listening to this podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, even though I never post on Instagram or TikTok. Uh, so just Twitter. Uh, follow me at Darth Voida. Follow him. I'm Matthew Lissy. You can read our writings at brightsideofthesun.com. And we will see you same bat time, same bat channel tomorrow. And as uh, Fabio says in the chat, he says, damn. Voida will go. We'll have to go watch Batman alone. So sad. He'll love it. Oh yeah. And he'll go home and love his family. <laughs>